Hello, I'm Eric Holderman, and this is Disaster Zone, a podcast about emergencies and disasters. Disaster Zone will bring you interviews and commentaries about all aspects of disasters, from what causes them to how people and organizations are dealing with their impact. As the nation's most active in-person and virtual incident command system and consequence management training company, stop by our website today to address your personal and agency training needs. Go to www.thebluecell.com. Welcome to the Disaster Zone podcast. I'm Eric Holdeman, and with me today is Craig Cooper, a national spokesperson for the American Red Cross. Welcome to the Disaster Zone, Craig. Thank you, Eric. It's, it's good to be here. We appreciate the invitation. And I'll just share with everybody, the record button didn't get pushed hard enough, I think. And so Craig has been generous enough to share the first five minutes, and uh, we call it a rehearsal here for the podcast. But Craig, just briefly, what's your background? How did you become involved with the Red Cross? Well, I think a lot of people engage with the Red Cross and become parts of the Red Cross in response to a major disaster that you see on TV or you learn about through the news. In my case, uh, as many other people, uh, when I saw what was happening in New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina, my first impulse was to reach out to the Red Cross. I naively thought that you could volunteer on Monday, be in New Orleans on Thursday and, and start helping out. And it doesn't quite work that quickly, but over time, and that goes back to 2005, 2006, over time, I took the training that was necessary, uh, began to get deployed to some of the uh, some of the really big and, and very sad national disasters that we had. Hurricane Ike was, I think, my first one uh, in Texas. Um, and over time, I, I found that I had a little bit of a knack for being able to speak to the media, to tell the Red Cross story, as we like to call it. And I took the training and in 2010 was invited to be part of a national spokesperson team that is asked to go to disaster zones or to do things like I'm doing with you, Eric, with your wonderful podcast to really just, as we call it, tell the Red Cross story. And in some cases that might be disasters and other cases that might be one of the other many things that the Red Cross is involved in. Yeah. So why don't you talk just briefly, uh, I think most people, they, they, See, it in times of disasters, Red Cross is there. It could be handing out supplies, uh, running shelters uh, in local communities. Uh, the other thing is just a local apartment fire. So a lot of times the Red Cross is there exactly. handing out housing vouchers, having blankets, might have a mobile canteen where they're providing food. But then um, then you have this blood supply piece also. So how how is right. the Red Cross involved with providing a variety of blood products. I found out it's just exactly you're right. Blood. You are right. So you know the red people think of the Red Cross in whatever way they may have been most recently exposed to it. Eric, as you said, either disaster relief or blood. There are some other things like service to the armed forces and other uh, things that the Red Cross has really developed quite a niche and a knack for. Um, but but blood and disaster response are really the two biggest ones. We have been I hate to use the the, the light expression lightly. We've been in the blood business for decades. We operate uh, blood collection centers, blood processing centers, and uh, places, laboratories where we are uh, taking the donations that might be done at a firehouse or at a donation center, in some cases even in a medical facility. Uh, we test it, we process it, and then we make the donated blood 
uh, available to hospitals and other uh, medical uh, facilities that might need it. And to your point, Eric, it's not just red blood. It can be plasma. It can be platelets. Uh, there are many, many things that uh, you can extract from someone's blood uh, that really kind of uh, even further spread out the, the benefits to uh, many, many people. We like to say that one donation can help as many as 10 people, and that's true, and that's because of the way that the blood can be divided up to provide different uh, components to people who have different needs. And so uh, why is there this blood crisis now that's happening throughout the nation? I think if, if you had to sum it up in one word, Eric, it would be COVID. Uh, it is it is bigger than that, but but I think if you look back to the beginning of the COVID pandemic, uh, blood drives as well. I mean, think what was happening with businesses, with shopping, with with anything that involved going out in public and potentially exposing yourself or your loved ones to to the virus. If you fast forward through this now almost two year process uh, with COVID, um, countless countless blood drives have either not been scheduled where they would have been arranged uh, in uh, in the past or they have been canceled or postponed or poorly attended. And then if you bring it all the way forward now to 2022, and you look at what has happened with the weather just in the, just in the past five, six weeks, uh, and you, know, you can step back a little bit into December as well, it's been devastation after devastation. Think back to the uh, to the horrendous wildfires in Colorado. Think ahead to the blizzard. We, we had a blizzard 10 days ago here in New York. Uh, and of course, this huge storm that that made its way across the United States. What that does is it causes scheduled blood drives to be postponed or canceled. It means that if you went ahead and had your blood drive, I'm making up the number, but the 60 people you expected to have who signed up and planned on coming, you get 18. Um, so what's happening is a ripple effect where just in the just in this year, just in the five, six weeks of 2022, 600 blood drives have been canceled. That translates to 20,000 donations that have not happened. And again, if you extrapolate that out to as many as 10 lives being touched by each donation, it's hundreds of thousands of lives that have been impacted. So, you know, the Red Cross is not big on hyperbole. We don't use scary words, but we're desperate. And I, and I, I, I use that word freely because that's really uh, the situation. And to that's be a, honest, that's a, that's a strong word, desperate, it, right? It is, it is. And, and Eric, I would be surprised if the blood centers in your area in the Pacific Northwest uh, are having any different experience. You know, obviously they're not being impacted at this moment by the same level of, of weather as places here like the Northeast or uh, in the Midwest and the Deep South. But that is an accurate word. And it's not just happening to the Red Cross where we supply at this point, 40% of the nation's blood supply that means that agencies like the one that handles uh, the Pacific Northwest or even right here where I live, uh, the Red Cross is not uh, a major part of the New York metropolitan area or Long Island where I am. So these, these other agencies are absolutely hurting in the same way that we are. And there's, there's no projection for when it's going to end. So when we use the word desperate, it's, it's again, it sounds a little dramatic, but that's really the situation we find ourselves in. One of the aspects of our modern society is that we have a just-in-time supply system, and blood, by its nature, is just part of that also. I mean, you, you, you don't get it and store it for a year. I, I'm trying right. to remember the shelf life, if you will, but it's days, not, not months. 
Yep, there you you're go. They're absolutely calling right. you, Craig. They're calling you. <laughs> they're, they're, they're looking for my donation. But um, yeah, you're, you're right, Eric. You know, I, I, like you, I'm not exactly sure what the shelf life is. It can be preserved in different ways. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it's not a 24-hour cycle, but it's certainly, as you said, you know, not, not a year. So you're, you're in a situation, I apologize for the phone ringing, uh, but you're, you're in a situation where uh, it, it is a need to do things, um, as you said, just in time. Uh, you want to be able to say that you have, a, um, again, uh, let's say a five-day supply, a two-week supply. Um, in some areas and with certain blood types, we're down to a one-day supply. And that's the scary part. That's when, you, begin to, you, know, that's when you have to uh, postpone surgeries. That's when emergency medical services become uh, a real situation where you don't have blood for accident victims. Uh, you don't have blood or the or the components that are needed for uh, patients suffering from cancer or other uh, diseases where blood transfusions are necessary. So that's where we are right now. We're at that point, and it's it's very very frustrating. And so, um, so I'm just thinking someone's listening to this or saying, "Well, gee whiz, I've never given blood uh, before. How do I know if uh, my blood type is needed?" Um, how do I know? Is it, you know, is, is during COVID people have to be close to one another? How, how safe is the process for giving blood? What assurances can you give? And then sure. um, is there a particular blood type needed um, or is it just all blood types really? Well, the universal donor is O positive. Uh, it is the type that is going to, we're going to get the most mileage out of and, and it's the one that we can use uh, the most universally. So that one goes to the top of the list. Um, but to your question about how safe is it to donate, if you think back two years to when COVID began and how terrified each of us was to go out the door and do anything, uh, let alone step into, let's call it a doctor's office, where you might be around other people with illnesses or caregivers with gloves and masks and things like that. If you fast forward to where we are now, uh, you know, the way that, you know, and it's been a, a two steps forward, one step backward, you know, situation, Many of us, most of us, I'd like to think, are now at a point where we are comfortable enough to get out, get out into society, uh, to get to a doctor's office if we need it, to seek medical treatment if we need it. Um, Lord knows almost every one of us has had to go someplace to get a COVID test, and you're, you're greeted by someone wearing gloves and a mask. So if you put that picture into place for any place that's doing blood donations, um, even before COVID, uh, the beds or the cots were always well separated, uh, almost without exception. Uh, blood collection, uh, the phlebotomists who do the work uh, are masked, they're wearing gloves, and you're, and you're going to wear a mask as well. If, if your local uh, requirements call for it, you're going to have one on as well. And I think that's pretty much universal at this point. So if, go ahead, Eric. And, and, and you know, if people are thinking, oh, I don't like needles, boy, these needles today have gotten really, really small. Yep. And you've got trained personnel do this day in and day out. I mean, you're absolutely right. You can get stuck and you likely won't even feel it. Right. And, you know, worst case, and look, we both know that there are people out there that hate them. My daughter is, is a, is a, is a uh, prolific fainter when she has to give a blood draw for something, but she donates, and I'm very proud of her. Um, it is something, that, yeah, there's a stick, there's no getting around that, but you have to think about it in terms of one second of discomfort for what you are doing for other people. You know, the entire process is over and done with in 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, you sit, you have a couple of graham crackers and something to drink and you're done and you're on your way. 
and you have made a massive difference in other people's lives. So, you know, it's never, I don't think we're ever going to be at the point where there isn't a little bit of discomfort at the beginning, but the, the, uh, the return on your, your little investment in, in an ouch uh, is, is massive. A lot of times we, we talk about how selfish our society is and everybody's in their own little bubble. Here's an opportunity to really become part of your larger community. So now you've got me motivated, Craig. I, I think I should, I've never given before or it's been a while. How, how do I know where to go? What's the easiest way for me to find out? Step one is very, very simple. You can go to redcrossblood.org. Uh, if you forget those three words together, you can just go to redcross.org and you'll end up, you can go to the same place. Um, that gets you to our blood collection website where you can see where we have scheduled blood collection drives or blood collection locations. You can schedule a donation if there's something that's convenient to where you are uh, or where you work, and, and you'll know where you can go and, and have that part of it squared away. And I will say, again, because we work with partner agencies around the country, if you're in an area where if you go to redcrossblood.org and you don't find something local, just use your search engine and find out what agencies in your area do collect blood because it's everywhere. You know, there is no part of our country that isn't collecting blood. And 40% of the, of the United States is us, but that means that 60% might be our partner agencies uh, in other parts of the country. So go to redcrossblood.org or go to redcross.org. And you'll actually, I think there might even be a little video that shows you what the process is like. Uh, with smiling faces and you'll i think quite honestly you'll get a, a higher level of comfort that you're doing something that is really not going to be as um uh, punishing as you might have thought it was and very very rewarding in return well listen folks if you want more information on this also uh, the whole issue of blood supplies is critical in emergencies day to day and disasters so there's a previous podcast i did a little bit longer talks about much more detail the medical side research of blood. And there's also, if you like visual, I've got a disaster zone TV show from a few years back, but uh, you'll, you'll get a little bit more visual pieces to it. And uh, Craig, you've been terrific. Any last words that you need to say that to cover a topic we didn't talk about or? Well, you know something? what, Eric, I, I did a little research on you and, I, and I'm really excited and even honored to, to do this podcast with you. Uh, what you've done in the Seattle area with your emergency management uh, uh, career and, and the support that you've provided uh, here in the U.S. as well as uh, several Canadian provinces, it's, it's, a fun to, it's fun to sit here and be talking to a master. Um, we're so proud, you know, I, I mean, it. We, we are so proud of what we do at the Red Cross. We are proud of the disaster side of our operation, the blood as well, uh, our service to the armed forces and many other things. We're always looking for volunteers, even if it's just those 15 minutes to donate. But beyond that, it's to help the Red Cross do the good work that we do all over the country. And, and that's, you know, and Eric, I'm assuming, you know, from time to time, uh, the Pacific Northwest has had its share of some uh, tragedies and the Red Cross has been by either your side or by your, your, your partner's sides to, uh, to try and ease the pain. And that's what we do. We're, uh, we're, we're good at it, but we always need more volunteers. Uh, it is a very easy thing to do to just log on to redcross.org and, and see how and if you can volunteer and if it's uh, something that would appeal to you. But, you know, to be able to, to talk to someone like yourself as a, a fellow disaster responder, um, sometimes when things aren't so bad, we kind of fall off the radar a little bit. 
but uh, I'm glad that there are people like you and the people that you've trained and, and very proud of the people that I volunteer with as well. Thank you for those words, kind words, and also for what the Red Cross deals does uh, much more broadly. I don't know whether we caught it in this particular piece of the recording, but uh, I was in the Army 20 years infantry officer. And when a family is in crisis someplace here in the United States and their service member is deployed overseas or somewhere else in the United States, it's the Red Cross that helps that communications happen. I've seen that happen time and again in my 20 year military career. Yep. So you're doing lots of good things. We and, hope so. Uh, blood supplies want them, but if we're going to help the Red Cross, uh, you have to give blood. And that's you're the right. need for today. So you are right. thank you, Craig. Been great having you on. And uh, lastly, a reminder to everyone to be safe. Think about what you can do today, like give blood, become personally better prepared and to support your community. And if you like this Disaster Zone podcast, please share it with your social media contacts. And thanks for listening. And bye bye. Tune in again soon for more information on all aspects of disasters. You can also check out the Disaster Zone blog at www.disaster-zone.com.